Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. I want to thank our sponsor, Dr. Dish, for being loyal to us. Reach out to Dr. Dish at Dr. Dish B-Ball. Mention the podcast and receive $300 off the best shooting machine in the world. I also want to welcome our newest sponsor, SnapRaise. Guys, I'm telling you, if you're raising money for your program, use SnapRaise. I raised over $9,000 last year. My buddy across the hallway who teaches U.S. history raised $11,500 for his middle school baseball team. SnapRaise works. It's not a lot of work on you. Your players aren't taking cash. It is the best fundraiser I've ever done in 20 years and something I will continue to do. And it gets better and better every year. So go to the show notes, find SnapRaise, find your local rep, and take advantage of them. Guys, tomorrow is the Hoosier Gym Clinic. Um, It begins tomorrow evening at 4.30 in Nightstown, Indiana. Walk-ups are welcome. Bring your assistants. Bring your buddies. Come together. Um, If you bring four more coaches, you get 30% off for Friday and Saturday. The price changes when you uh, fill out the form online. So go to the show notes and you can find a way to register. Come to the clinic. If you can only come Friday, come Friday or Saturday. Come Saturday. Lunch is provided on Saturday. We take good care of you. Tyler Costin, Jeff Walls, Hernando Pinnells, um, Jacob Amerman, Lenny Acuff, Kevin Carroll, and many more. It's a phenomenal clinic, and it will be here before you know it. The only way to watch the clinic after uh, it's over, I'm not selling it individually. The only way to watch it is to be a member of United Basketball Plus for annual members only, which is only $59 a year. So if you want to view the clinic because you live across the country and can't be there live, the only way to watch it is to be a part of the United Basketball family um, which again, for 59 bucks, you get that plus other clinics that we'll be doing this fall and past clinics. So you, you can't beat what you get for $59. Well, guys, I hope to see you at the clinic tomorrow. Now, let's get to the podcast with Mike McDonald from Damon College. I want to welcome Coach Mike McDonald to the podcast this evening. Currently the head coach at Damon College, a Division II school in Western New York. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. It's it's actually now Damon University. Damon University. Okay. How about that? A little while ago, so now we're officially a university. The, does that just off the top of my head? Does that help with the recruiting at all? I mean, when you can say university, not college, do you think that even plays a role? I think it does. I think uh, the big thing is it helps recruiting international students. Okay. Because international students. Uh, typically associate a college with like a smaller two-year type school where university is a, uh, you know, a big, big university, big school, four years uh, research base. So I think, I think it helps that. I mean, uh, we didn't all of a sudden expand our gym or anything like that. Right. Or jump to division one, but we're uh, it's, it's good name only. That makes sense. Well, well, Coach, I was researching and looking at your resume. You've spent your career um, in in New York um, at three universities: Division One, Division Three, Division Two. Uh, what are some of the benefits and maybe even challenges that you found at each different level of you know Division One, Division Two, and Division Division Three? Is there anything that stands out that made maybe things a little easier, maybe also a little more difficult? Well. I will tell you this, Matt, I, I spent, I was fortunate to spend 18 years at Canisius College, um, which is division one. Uh, then I spent eight years at a division three school at Madai College. And now I just finished my eighth year here at Damon, getting ready to go into our, uh, into our ninth year. 
Um, I, I, people ask me that a lot. What's the difference? You know what? The, the difference is the name of the level. In reality, I don't think any of the places I was at was like a huge big time division one power five, you know, one of those type places. I've been at places that where you get, get a lot of individual attention for the students. You know, the uh, people care about basketball and that's the most important thing. And that's the biggest thing. I think it doesn't matter what level you're at. The guys you're coaching, they don't care. They just want to get better. They want to play. They want the opportunity to play. They want the ability to, to play in games and in cool places and uh, to have a great experience. Um, and that's what we've, I've been fortunate to be able to be around guys who, who love basketball and, and kind of use basketball as a way to help them get an education, improve maybe on their, their ability to receive an education and improve on the quality of the education they get. Do most of your players uh, come from the New York area, the, that part of the country, the, the Northeast, or do you really venture out a little bit? I mean, what does your recruiting base look like? Our recruiting base really, and we started this when we were at Madai, that we felt like, uh, you know, one thing we think about, and I'm a father of four boys myself. They all played AAU and Little League and all that stuff. And, you know, I think nowadays parents like going to see their kids play. You know, they, they, they grow up. As the kids grow up, the parents are kind of going with them to the different events and to the AAU tournaments and that type of stuff. So when a kid goes away to college, it's tough sometimes for the parents to say, I'm not it's so far away. I can't get to a game. So we try and keep it within four hours. And we felt like and we started this at Madai, like I said, because we wanted to build a program the program had not been very good. And we wanted to build it up and we, we were able to um, say, you know what, if we, within four hours, parents are going to come to the games we're going to get a crowd. We're going to get people here. All of a sudden, grandmas and grandpas are going to come and all that. So uh, we were fortunate that it kind of worked. And then we kind of carried that philosophy over here to Damon. We've been very lucky. You know, we have a lot of kids who are from New York State. We uh, in this area, we, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Rochester, which isn't far away, a couple of guys from Syracuse, which is about under three hours away or our best player ever probably here at, is Andrew Cisco, who is out of out of the Albany area which is only, you know, four plus hours away. So we've been able to, to keep kids in this area. And I think the parents like it because they can come to games. We play on a weekend. They can drive in a Saturday, see the game, and still be able to get back home. Has, is the transfer portal a big deal in Division Two, or is that mainly a Division One issue that people, that we see? No, I think it's Division Two. I think it's everywhere. I think, you know, I think now you see kids go to Division Two and say, well, I'll be here one year, get my numbers, and I'm getting out, you know. And uh, we've been fortunate this past year. We, only, we had two guys who entered it. One wanted to kind of get closer back to home, and the other one was was a walk-on for us who had two years of eligibility, knew he wasn't really going to play, and had a chance to to go home, stay close to home, and get a uh, – uh, and work on his master's. And so I think it, if, you know, it was a positive for him. But um, – you know, I think it factors in with everybody. I think there's a trickle-down effect at Division Two too, that kids that maybe we couldn't have recruited before that maybe would have ended up on a Division One roster are going to get looked over, and they're going to get passed over, and people at Division One are hoping to get that next kid to, you know, out of the portal, and so they forget about the high school kid. And so yeah. we're kind of committed to really building it. We built it here with, with four-year guys, 
and we've had, we, we actually registered a lot of guys. So we've had four and five year guys and uh, that that's helped us. I think that's helped our program helps, helps build a program. Yeah. Most of the division one assistants that, that I talked to or know personally, they go straight to the transfer portal when they have a spot on their team. And you're right. A lot of good high school players that they may have looked at five or six, seven years ago, they're not even looking at it anymore. Um, if they can get someone with, you know, quality division division one experience to fill a spot. And well, I think can, too, yeah. And and it makes perfect sense, right? You can get a guy who's played at a college level. And that's that's great. But the other thing I think they get too is like if you take a senior out of the portal and he doesn't work out, you're not tied to him. You have one year, it's that one year I'd see, or right. even two years, right? If he's a junior. If you you bring in a freshman and he doesn't work out, you might be stuck with him for a few more years before he leaves. And now all of a sudden it's a, it's a a little bit, it it can help you cut your losses a little bit quicker. If that makes sense. I hate sounding like that. I hate talking about kids like that because I think that's wrong, but I think that's the way people are looking at it right now. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if, if the senior transfer, like I'm at, uh, I'm right outside Chattanooga and one of our best players, done last year's team that made the run and almost won their first game in the tournament uh went to gonzaga but you're right gonzaga have one year with him right if it doesn't pan out that he's not there for three or four years unfortunately i hate to lose him but i definitely um understand of course the utc coach went to south carolina and we got the vmi coach and you know that you got a great coach no i'm excited i'm excited about it The, the women's program got a good coach uh, on a, from the staff of Virginia Tech, and I'm really excited about um, you know the coach from VMI coming over. Uh, I, I like that style of play, and I think it'll be a a lot of fun to watch. But even when I looked at their roster recently, it was boom they hit the transfer portal hard to bring in players that fit that style of play, which the Princeton style is a little unique to what we were doing in the past. And I think you know you almost have to if you get a job because if people leave, you have to try and fill in the gaps as best you can. And hope you can get somebody, but there's there's no proven right way. I mean, everybody's going to try it right now. Everybody's excited about the portal, but in the end, you know, if if you don't win, you're going to say, well, maybe I should bring more high school guys in. You're, you know, I don't think we all know for a few years how it's going to work, but I know we. I look at our program, I'm saying we want to build it with four year guys. We'll sprinkle in a transfer here or there, but um, we want our basis has been four and, and five year guys because we've been lucky to redshirt guys. And on on the NIL that's prevalent in the country today, is could that be all levels or just Division One, or do you see that in Division Two at all? It, it could be. I we don't see it really here at Damon, but you could see it at different places. I think what it allows is kids maybe can capitalize on their basketball ability where maybe they couldn't have done that before. Hey, I'm going to give a kid lessons or work yeah. a kid or uh, do some things like that. I think that's legal. I, we haven't run into that, but we, you know, we don't have those, the collectives and uh, yeah. people making money at our level form and, and reality it's, it's the way it is, you know, yeah. um, and in some ways I'm kind of thankful for that. Yeah. But that would be good. A kid goes home for the summer and they want to run a camp at the local high school or the coach brings them on and kind of puts their name and face and they can get, make a little money off of it. I, th- I think yep. that's great yep. uh, for a kid. And obviously you've got the big time, <laughs> You know, uh, you know these high football and basketball guys making a million dollars. Um, which uh, you know, I'm close to Alabama, and I think their quarterback last year was in six or seven figures. But well, so you're you love the part of the state. Like, ha- have you ever had a chance to leave 
the part of New York I'm guessing you may have over the years, but you just love this area of the country. Is this where you grew up? No, no. I grew up down in Connecticut, about seven hours from here. I okay. went to college at St. Bonaventure, not too far from here, but I've yep. been here since uh, I got hired at Canisius as a grad assistant, 1988, 89 year, and uh, haven't left, but I've been very fortunate. I met my wife when I was at Canisius, and uh, we have four boys, and uh, we've been very fortunate, you know. Uh, I'll tell you, Matt, I've been a Division One head coach, Division Three, and Division Two. We've lived in the same house. Um, wow. you know, our kids have gone to the same school. Our youngest guy is a junior in high school right now, and he has a chance to go to the same schools. He went to the same elementary schools as his big brothers, same high schools as his big brothers. And uh, it, it's been a way to give give our boys some roots. So it's been uh, been very fortunate. It's been three different institutions, but there are a lot of similarities in all three. And uh, you know, um, and been very fortunate to have some ADs who, who gave me opportunities that really worked out. And uh, I've been I've been blessed in that regard. My wife and I really feel blessed. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, you you can't put a price on quality of life. You know, so, I know a lot of coaches move all over the country, and their wives and kids have been in five schools in twelve years, and certain people are are, are wired are wired for that. But there's something to be said about the stability for your four boys and same schools and high school and all that type of things for your kids. I'm, I really imagine. Yeah, we've been lucky. You know, my, my, it's funny because my I talk about keeping kids close to home to play, you know, four hours and everything. My oldest guy ended up, he played down at uh, played two schools, Fairleigh Dickinson. He went to Penn and played in the Ivy League. Oh, nice. Down there for three years. So he he played there. And then my, my second guy went to a division three, Patrick, he played at uh, SUNY Maritime, which is down in New York city, about six, seven hours away. And, uh, um, you know, he had a great career there. It was an all American. And so he, you know, they kind of went away and my third guy plays for us here at Damon. So I've been, uh, you know, we've seen it kind of all, but you know, I think the whole thing is we've been able to give them roots so that they know Buffalo is their home and that they yeah. can live in other places now. My two oldest guys, one one lives in Brooklyn, and Patrick, my second guy, is in the Navy, and he uh, lives in is stationed in Japan. Okay. So now, is your the other son you mentioned lives in Brooklyn? Is is he involved in coaching in any way? Uh, he actually works for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. In the front office of the Brooklyn nice. Nets. So he, nice. Nice. Uh, he's still basketball bug does not uh, <laughs> <laughs> does not go away that easy, as we all know. Now, when your kids were growing up, obviously their dad being the local college basketball coach, and you mentioned like Little League earlier, but did, were they involved in multiple sports as they got older, you know, middle school, high school, or was it just basketball? Yeah, no, they uh, they they played a lot of baseball growing up too. And then uh, my second guy, Patrick, he kind of had done something. It was a sophomore year. He went to Canisius High School. He ended up uh, going out for football his junior and senior year and playing on a team that – they lost one. They were state champ. They were really good. They were wow. state champions, and uh, he had a, you know, he had a chance to get in there, and be a part of a team, and and learn kind of not really learn a new sport, but you know, have to play. And that was that took a lot of a lot of guts mm-hmm. for him to do that. I always admired him for doing that. But they the other guys all played baseball. And then about when you get to high school, the high school they go to is very competitive. And it's got a really good basketball program, and they all have kind of said, you know, this is what we want to do, and that's what. Yeah, uh, that's what they moved to. Yeah, football is definitely a different beast, especially if, if someone didn't grow up playing it to step in and they're, you know, later in high school as an upperclassman. And, you know, that, that's good. And, and it's also 
pretty cool that he went on to be on a state championship level team. Yes. Yeah, it was really he had great experience for him. It really made him in the end, it made him a better basketball player. Yeah, you say it did make him a better basketball yes, player. 100%, 100%. You think just because the physical toughness you faced or mental, I mean, what is it? Because I, I mean, I like when my kids play football as well. I think it just brings a different level of physicality. And if you can handle, if you can handle football practice in June and July in Georgia, then you know <laughs> you should be able to handle a hard basketball practice. And let me give you three reasons why you should get a Dr. Dish. First of all, it works. Statistics show that are tracked by Dr. Dish that users that put up over 10,000 reps per month can show up to a 10% increase in their makes. So if players will be committed to it, they will see increase in growth. Secondly, over 200 drills and workouts come with the Dr. Dish, and these are done by the top trainers and coaches in the game. So when you hear me say it's like getting another assistant coach, it's like getting multiple assistant coaches. And lastly, it is affordable. Coaches, I run a program. I know every penny matters. Dr. Dish, you pay 50% up front and you have the next year to pay the other 50% with no interest. So reach out to Dr. Dish, mention this United Basketball podcast and get $300 off. Now, back to the podcast. You know what I think it was, Matt, is I think he... Patrick would uh, was going to be a junior, and he said, I'm going to go out for football. And we were like, okay. And then it was like starting in March. He was – basketball ended. He was going in lifting three days a week, and then they had like their – they had their spring football, and they did that, and then they did summer stuff. They did seven-on-seven, seven, mm-hmm. and he was totally committed to it. And I think it got him early into a uh, regimen of really working out. And uh, he did not have a great – high school basketball career. I always tell the story. It's unbelievable. He, he went his freshman to senior year, never scored. The most he's ever scored in the game was eight points and was not like a highly recruited guy, but ended up at SUNY Maritime and he scored 1500 points and had over a thousand rebounds in his career. Wow. It was late bloomer, but I think some of the best for last. (laughs) Yeah. Without a doubt. And I think a lot of it was because he, he was, you know, he had, he learned the discipline of going to football and doing that. And that helped him once he, he was done with football, he kind of put all that energy into basketball. Yeah. that That's good. I mean, I, I think multi-sports can benefit a kid in a, in a lot of ways, mainly because you, you get different coaching perspectives, different leaders to learn from football, baseball, basketball. Um, a, a big buzz phrase today is obviously culture and it, what is, what are some of the staples of your program? Like, what do you kind of like, th- these are non-negotiables, this is who we want to be. And has it changed over the years as you've grown as a coach and in the game? I think it always changes a little bit. I think it changes depending on who your team is, depend, probably depending on who your leaders are. I get, you know, culture is a great word, but I think it's almost overused at times, right? Yep. Now, it, you know, uh, really used a lot. But I think there are certain things. It's what you stand for and um, what what you believe in. You know, we talk about, we always say being unselfish, playing harder, executing, and being tougher, U-P-E-T. It's a little thing we came up with, and we, we talk about that all the time. It's like, hey, let's be more unselfish, be the most unselfish team out there. Let's play harder than the other team. Let's execute better, whatever it is. Might be a press break. Might be a free throw line box out, mm-hmm. whatever, but let's execute and let's be tougher. Let's not worry about the crowd, the referees calls, yeah. anything, right? Worry about what guys are saying to you, anything like that. And uh, we've tried to, 
use that going forward. But we, you know, we have a lot of things we stand for. And we talk about it all the time, and we have a, you know, there's certain kind of non-negotiables. Hey, be on time. Simple things. Mm-hmm. We, you know, yeah. be on time. Right. Show up ready to practice. Uh, practice is important. I think if practice is important to the coaches, it's going to be important to your team. And right. Uh, and then it, we follow that going through. But uh, we've been very lucky. We have a lot of really good guys who've been who have become, you know, kind of came in as freshmen and then become leaders and and are able to lead a, lead the younger guys. And, hey, this is how we do things here. And uh, we've been lucky that way. What does a coach uh, McDonald practice look like? Like, what? Because I always I love watching college teams practice. I don't get to do it a lot because I'm a coach myself. But I always like to see. You know, I, one thing I'm always interested in is how do coaches start practice. You know, is it the same thing every day? Do you do something different? Is it based on what you feel like your team needs? You know, some coaches I know start with shooting every day, no matter what. Some a really tough physical, mentally draining drill. I know coaches to start out with charge drills. No, just whatever, but practices look like and how do you like them to organize and start and flow? Funny you should say about the start because something we can't we've come up with and we started kind of I think when we were at Madai and we've kind of built on it. So, you know, some people will start with like stretching or whatever. We'll we'll come in when we come together and we'll always have a pre-practice segment. And it could be as simple as some passing and catching drills, right? It won't be anything live. But it could be some stuff, hey, we're going five on oh, right? Or sometimes we go five on oh, and then we go two five on five. So we might put an offense in or, or a cut in, and then we're going to go five on five and play against it a little bit. And uh, I know when I got to Damon, I first got to Damon, we started doing it. And, you know, then once we're done with that 10, 15 minutes, then we'll go stretch. I know there are some people who say, oh, you don't necessarily have to stretch a lot. I think I had an assistant coach who taught me once said, that's when I was at Kanishi. You know, stretching is good because it gives the guys time away from you. Let mm-hmm. them kind of take over the practice. And it's 10 minutes of, Hey, this is how we stretch. This is what we do. This is what we do. So here we are, we come in and we're doing some, maybe some five on five, just half court stuff. Right. Or, you know, and we're going over stuff and then, and then I'll say, all right, let's go stretch. And guys will have worked up a sweat a little bit. I like that because then I think you stretch a little better. You've, you've worked out some. And I had a kid come up to me in my first year at Damon, one of the first practices. Going, Are we going to do this every day? Are we just going to stretch? Because I like to stretch. I said, well, then get here before us and stretch. Because when I get here, we're going to do something like this to kind of get the blood flowing. That's yeah. what I say is that. And then, then we stretch after that. And I give them the time, the 10 minutes to kind of do their thing, get stretched, we have a program they use or, you know, a, a series of stretches that they do. And then after that, we always have something what I call, I call giddy up. And I think it's important to have giddy up. I learned this at a coaching clinic years ago that kind of start practice, not by shooting jump shots, right? Start by making layups, start by doing some. So we do some kind of thing, usually with layups involved. It might be a simple forward a hoop. We're doing a layup type drill. It might be, you know, we might be doing ball handling with layups. We might be doing a, a, a two-on-one transition drill, something like that, where there's usually some kind of layup involved. There's something uh, to get the blood flowing, like giddy mm-hmm. up, like said, get everybody moving. And then we go into shooting. And I think we always shoot a lot. I think shooting's important, you know, and you need, you know, you need to have shooters. So we try and uh, we try and do a lot of shooting early and then late in practice and sometimes even in the middle too. 
Yeah, that that's good. I like the because I like a lot of coaches like to get things moving a little bit before they stretch, but they just do jump rope or you know do some running. Yep. But so you do something, you know, five on zero, moving around some for ten minutes. You said. 10 minutes or so. It depends on what we need, what we're doing. We've done stuff like we'll have a five on all segment and we'll have, we might have 15 guys on the team or 16, uh, or maybe even let's say we, if, if we have 18, we'll take three groups, we'll split them into three groups and I'll have three assistant coaches and one team will coach the white, one team will coach the blue, one team will coach the, uh, the red, you know, if, and we say, all right, you three, you guys are there. And we're going to say, all right, we're going to run this play. You know, we're going to run four today. And we'll go five on zero at one end and take it out of bounds and go at the other end. The other group will be doing it at that end and then they'll step off in the third group and they kind of rotate that way. And it gets them moving. It gets them having to communicate, have to, to think a little bit early on. So I think it, um, I think it's good to get them going. You know, sometimes they're coming right from class mm-hmm. or it might be the end of the day or maybe it's early in the morning, but to get them moving early on before you stretch, I think is important and not just, you know, jog a couple laps. Let's go. I think it's more of, hey, let's get moving. Let's get, let's let's do something constructive that's going to help us. Because usually that's when their their brain might be the freshest, right? They yeah. haven't exerted themselves, so they can remember, hey, these maybe we're going through out of bounds plays, mm-hmm. and we're doing that real quick. But we're going at game speed, or we're going five on five with it, just so they can see. What about how you like to in practice? Does that vary, or is it somewhat consistent? Uh, it usually varies. It varies. Usually my players would tell you, we probably ended a little later than we we're supposed to sometimes, but, um, uh, but I think we, uh, you know, we vary a lot of times we'll do some, we, you know, we'll do a lot of five on five. I think as I've gotten older, I've become more of, Hey, let's play. You know, the best mm-hmm. way to get in shape is by playing basketball, you know, and, uh, I think, I think we, we play and go up and down and do that. Um, we'll, you know, but at the end, you know, we might, do a drill. Hey, you know, who's going to score, you know, you got to get one key possession. You might have, we, we might do free throw drills too. We, we change it up. Some days we do end with free throws. Some days we end with some kind of shooting drill, something where they can hopefully leave in a positive experience, you yeah. know, po- positive. Yeah, we did it. We accomplished something. Now we bring it in that type of thing. Do you have some specific free throw drills or free throw ideas that you found to be some successful challenge the guys in different ways. Yeah, we do. We do a few. We have one we call win the game where you put uh, the whole team on the sideline, like where our benches and each guy comes up to the line and shoots two shots. And every make is plus one for us. Every miss is minus is plus two for the opponent. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put like 70, 70 on the scoreboard to start. And then they'll, we'll see who wins at the end after everybody is shot. That's and good. I like that. We do something like that, and if they don't get it, we have to run. We do um, – uh, one I really like, we, we do – we'll put three guys at a hoop, and we'll use all the hoops, and we'll have two basketballs. One guy will be shooting free throws. One guy will be a shooter. One guy will be the rebounder, and the third guy is the runner. And the runner has to dribble five dribbles down the court with his right hand, five dribbles down back with his left, five dribbles down with the right, five dribbles back with the left. After that – after that, that runner becomes a shooter. The shooter becomes a rebounder, and the mm-hmm. rebounder now becomes a runner. So they're rotating the spot. And then I have a we have a coach or a manager at each each hoop, and they're keeping track of 21 for 22, 22 for 23, 
right? 22 for 30. And then we say as a goal, today the goal is we have to make 78%, right? We have to make 80%. We'll bring it in and I'll get each who reported to me and I'll tell them what they got. And if they, uh, if they got it, they don't have to run. If they didn't get it, they have to run. So that's a little one. We do it for put five minutes on the clock. And yep. so you're going for five minutes continuously and you really got to focus because you know, if you're at your hoop and you're the best free throw shooter, it becomes a little bit more pressure. You mm-hmm. got to make those shots. Yeah. My kids love free throw golf. You ever played okay, free throw yeah. golf? Yep. I love, I love free throw golf. Um, see if we, you know, have a goal of a 10 free throws. Can you be four under or three on, you know, whatever it may be. Cause of, cause of, if, I don't know how you do it, but if you make it and you hit rim, it's just a par. Oh, yeah, that's right. You swish, it's a birdie or back of the rim make, you miss, it's a bogey, and have a little competition like that. We've done the one, I call it conditioning free throws, where you your guys dribbled five dribbles. Yep. But early in the season, we just have the guy run li- run lines for conditioning early on, then the runner. So you go when you're a little exhausted, you know, a little tired, breathing heavy, um, up to the line, and we'll do, you know, 20-second reps and do it, um, you know, maybe eight or – maybe do it three or four minutes to get in some conditioning. What is, what is, um, has your offensive style of play changed a lot over the years or have you, you know, tweaked just a certain style of system? We definitely tweak. We, you know, we've, I mean, we've had a, we had a big kid, Andrew Cisco who scored 2,800 points here in his career um, was a three-time all American just to, or maybe four time. I don't even know. We COVID so many things happened. Right. Remember. But he, uh, great player, great player here. And he, uh, you know, we threw the ball inside a lot too, because yeah. that's a smart thing to do is give him the ball in the paint close to the basket and see if he can score. Um, we've had other teams that before he was our starting center, the guy before him was probably our best three-point shooter. You know, we had our, our five and our four were our two best three-point shooters on the teams the two years before that. So we would run things where they could get jump shots you know, which is kind of unique, but um, we play, you know, I, I worked, I spent five years working for John Beeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was at Canisius, I was his assistant and he left for Richmond. I took over and he was, you know, I, he runs the two guard offense, does some things. So we, we do it, but I think I always say that's the two guard offense can be like the spread offense, you know, in mm-hmm. football, you, you can tweak it to what your personnel is. Yeah. And to, to play to your strengths. And that's what any good offense is. You have to be able to play to your strengths and figure out what guys can do. Yeah. We, um, are you familiar with Lenny Acuff? Oh yeah. Yep. He does well, actually coach Acuff is speaking at a coaching clinic I'm doing this weekend in Indiana. Okay. But, uh, yeah, coach Acuff, uh, run two guards, some Princeton stuff in there, but he's yep. one of the, you know, better okay. offensive minds, probably maybe in the country, but definitely down this Tennessee, Georgia area for sure. And he was now at Lipscomb, but yeah, he'll, He'll be sharing some basketball, his basketball mind with us this weekend coming up. <laughs> He's a great coach. That's a great mind to learn from. He is. Good guy, good coach, um, you know, very, very successful at UAH. I'm looking forward to seeing what what he can do with Lipscomb there, is, which is right down the road from me in Nashville. How do you use, and you mentioned a little bit, how on your staff, how many staff members do you have? Let me ask that first. We have right now we'll have we have three assistant coaches and then we have another guy who helps us with stuff off the floor and on the floor a little bit, but director of player development. Um, so really, we have three assistants and myself. On the bench, what are some of the responsibilities that you have for your staff? So 
I have one guy who does timeouts, fouls, who to foul, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts that you need to know the, Hey, you know, uh, the, the, we've only taken one free throw the second half. They've taken 17, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, he does that. He also knows, Hey, this is his second foul. Make sure I know that I have one guy who charts our offense, um, tells me what's working, what works, what, you know, what was a good play? What was it? You know, we, we've scored on this three times already this time and he charts all our offense um, and where we're scoring, where we have turnovers from. I always ask him, you know, we go in at halftime, we say, hey, what are we in transition? How many points do we have in transition? And then I have another guy who charts defense and he's, how do they score? What are we running when they score? You know, again, I'll come in at halftime. I'll say, what, how many points do they have in transition? Cause mm-hmm. I think if you keep a team out of transition and you can keep them off the offensive glass, you have a good chance of right. successful. And at practice, you mentioned they're responsible for a certain team, you know, red jersey, white it, jersey. It might be, yeah, they might be. They It, it changes. For, you know, I try and, you know, mix it up. Sometimes we have guys, you know, for some years I've had one guy in charge of the guards, another guy in charge of the bigs. Other years I've had guys where, you know, he's, he's doing all post stuff because you might have guards who post up. So post up guys, anybody who posts up is going to work with him. Another guy is going to do the ball handlers. Another guy is going to do, you know, like the post guy, uh, the, uh, you know, the jump shooter. So we kind of, I, I divvy it up based on staff and their mm-hmm. strengths. I think you have to play to their strengths, but also to based on your team too. Before before we get off the podcast, a question: How what advice would you give to coaches who are starting off the career or they're in the career for a few years to have longevity and not get burnt out and not you know balance family life with the game and you know, how, what is some advice you have because it's a phrase I hear it with players now but you hear a lot of people talking about being burnt out at at young ages maybe because they can't handle work life balance or whatever it may be but any words of wisdom or thoughts you'd have on that topic? Well, I think it's very, that the work-life balance is a very personal thing. I think you have to figure, figure out and it's never going to be perfect. None of us yeah. are ever perfect at it, right? The longer you coach, you realize that. But I think you, you, number one, you have to remember that this is a game, right? And this is a game played by kids and they're going to make mistakes. And if you let it eat you up too much, you have to understand that you, your role in this should be to help them become better players but also help them become better person, people, mm-hmm. better students, better people, and, and help their overall improvement. I think if you can do that and you keep that in mind, I think that helps you remember what you're really doing this for. I don't think people, people who get in this and are in this profession for a long time are the people who realize that they're not in it just for themselves. They're there to help others. And I think that those are the ones you see who coach a long, long time. Yeah. Especially at the smaller college level where the, the contract is not as much. It's not yeah. you're doing it more for the love of the game, but more for the love of the teaching. And they really that's what the best coaches are, the teachers, right? They're, it's no different than the guy who taught you in high school who's a math teacher that everybody loved that yeah. but you love math. You love basketball. Right. And I say that's the same thing to remember is don't don't forget that, right? Because yeah. you know, if you if you lose that, you lose that passion, that then you're gonna experience the burnout. Right. Um, and I think remembering that you're doing it to help 
others and lift others and improve the other people's quality of life. I think that that's something you can never lose sight of. Right. Well, coach, I think those are great words of wisdom to uh, end the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I I really appreciate it. A lot lot of good things. I'm going to, I like the uh, free throw, win the game, line them up. I like that at the high school level, you know, we're looking for all every level, but you know, just things different to give the kids, especially when they can just see, you know, the last guy, the last guy walks up there and you were still tied because you shot 50%. Yeah, the pressure's exactly. on him. I'll give you one more free throw one real quick. Sure. Easy one. Um, we we put uh, – we call it three in a row. And we'll do it like at the end of practice. We might put five minutes on the clock or ten minutes. We put five minutes. We might say our goal is 60. And the way you get a point is to go to the free throw line and you got to make three in a row. And so we have – coach, manager, or trainer, somebody will be at a hoop and they'll just be rebounding, passing it back out. We'll be totally silent in the gym and they're going to go, they'll bounce the ball out. The guys who will use every hoop. So if we have, we have six hoops in our gym, every hoop will be used and the clock starts and I'll be at the scoreboard and they'll have to make three in a row. And when they make three in a row, they'll yell one and then they'll run to a different hoop. And so they're hitting all the different hoops. If you miss any point, you don't get three. Let's say you go one, two, then you miss you get back in line at that hoop. You're on the free throw lane waiting for the next guy to go shoot, but you can't leave your hoop till you make three in a row. And then you give them a goal. We started off with, you know, five minutes. We've got to get 50. And then once you get 50 there, they go, all right, now you got 57. Yeah. Let's get 60 this time. And, you know, they have to go, but you don't want them rushing because if you rush, you get hurried. You're not going to stay true to your form. You want to stay true to your form, do your routine, shoot your shot, however you shoot it. Once you make it, you go, you yell it out, you go. And we, you know, it's the kids have a lot of fun. It's a great thing at the end of practice. We've run already. Say, I won't run anymore. Right. We don't run. Just get, make your three in a row and kind of get in the rhythm and the consistency of making three in a row and then get to another hoop and do it again. That's good. I'll steal that one too. Yeah. And you, and you have roughly probably three, start off three guys each goal, 18 kids roughly. Yeah. If you have 18 you know. guys and you got three at each hoop and, you yeah. know, we have a manager there bouncing it out and just making sure they're making three and they're not just yelling it out. But then, you know, it's quiet until the only thing they yell is, you know, one, 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 and I'm pressing the scoreboard. One, yeah. One, trying to get to, they get to that goal. And when that, and so when you go to 60, you, put 10 on the clock i mean we, we put when we're at 10 we're saying over 100 okay we can make 100 in 10 you know you should be able to get 50 in five minutes at least we have um and we do it and it was a little trial and error figuring it out right off the bat but it's been it's a good one for us i like it a lot i think it's, yeah. uh, it's a fun one at the end of practice and then they're running hoop to hoop and bouncing it out and you know they get mad if they miss it or one guy gets stuck and yeah. he's on that hoop and people are going hey you haven't left there. What are you doing still there? You know, that's and, good. You know, and they kind of get their peer pressure that way. Yeah, I'm going to take that one as well to figure out what a good number would be uh, for high school kids. But well, coach, again, thanks a lot for taking the time for joining us. I, I really appreciate it, and we look forward to following this upcoming season. We'll be here before we know it. That's right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Keep up the good work. It's a great yes. job. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Take care.